Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The story we have this morning is one that can be described as the greatest of epic narratives. There are dragon slayings, a ladder to heaven, angels, and other mythical elements. There are also unexpected turns in the narrative and a foreshadowing of what is yet to come in the sequel, which has yet to be written. But underneath it all is a quest to locate God's very dwelling and take up residence in that holy place. Now, despite what you might be thinking, this is not a lit review for a nonfiction series, but the stories of Holy Scripture that we are gifted on the feast day of our patron saint. This morning, I want to peel back a few layers so we might remember how we got to this point in the epic narratives. Jacob, of Jacob's ladder comes from a well-known family. He is the grandson of Abraham and Sarah. His father was the child Abraham and Sarah had hoped for for many years and finally bore at an advanced maternal age. His father's very name, Isaac, means laughter because the whole proposition is so absurd. It is one of humanity's earliest narratives about what it feels like to matter, to be affirmed in your belonging. Isaac and Rebecca. Jacob enters the story as the second-born child of Isaac and Rebecca, following his fraternal twin, Esau. This origin story of Jacob and Esau is vivid from the very beginning, Jacob grasping onto Esau's heel as he loses the original fight for their birthright. The rivalry between the twins only intensifies as the siblings grow, leading to jealousy, lies, and ultimately a deep fracture in the family that lasts for generations. The struggle between Jacob and Esau has captured humanity's heart and mind since the beginning of time. This narrative is the one to which many attribute centuries of racism towards those of darker skin. Countless literary narratives have creatively expanded the question at the core of the sibling rivalry because it pierces the very heart of humanity. The desire of a son to be assured of the love of his parents and the love of the eternal parent. This most childlike desire is in fact the the desire to discover that one is worthy of love and belonging. This quest at the heart of Jacob's story weaves its way throughout the narratives of the prophets. Abraham and Sarah are determined to become parents and leave behind a meaningful legacy. Isaac carries on the blessing God bestows upon his father and became the grandfather of the 12 tribes of Israel. Later in the narrative, Jacob is given a new name, Israel. He becomes the patriarch of the Israelites and an important figure in all three Abrahamic religions. His most famous son, Joseph, picks up where the narrative 
of Jacob leaves off, wrestling with siblings, powerful rulers, and God in the continued pursuit of God's blessing, but really in the ongoing quest for love and belonging. The thing you likely remember about Joseph is that he was the youngest of Jacob's sons and, as such, the most unlikely to be favored or chosen for any sort of leadership role. If we fast forward to the Gospels, there are echoes of Jacob's story that we find in the story of Nathaniel and others who fill the pages of Holy Scripture. Nathaniel, who was and remains one of the lesser-known disciples, was astonished to find Jesus on his home turf, for it was not a place that Nathaniel imagined was inhabited by holiness. Nathaniel was shocked when Jesus revealed that he might be worthy of love and belonging, not just from Jesus, but from God. Surely the Lord is in this very place. Finally, in the reading from Revelation, we are given the cosmic version of this narrative. The deceiver of the whole world is expelled from heaven forever by Michael and his angels. Or in other words, God answers this question about the quest for worthiness and belonging that has been at the heart of the human experience since the beginning of time. Because we are from God and made in the very image of God, we have always been and will always be worthy of love and belonging. Any quest that concludes in a different place is part of a different narrative altogether. This story, the one that began with Adam and Eve, Abraham and Sarah, Jacob and Esau, made a critical turn when Jesus arrived. Humanity was surprised to learn that the Lord was among us, not removed from our earthly existence. Jesus gifted us with tremendous clarity about the eternal presence and enduring nature of God's love for us. Remembering the origin of this narrative may seem like ancient history, but it allows us to connect the dots and provides clarity about the ways in which God is in this very place too. Here's the thing. The story is not just the story of Jacob and Nathaniel and the Archangel Michael. This is also the narrative that belongs to this particular community. In response to this human quest for love and belonging comes God's assurance that we are not just loved in theory, but exactly as we are at this time and in this place. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, God tells Jacob. And this is just the beginning of the story. Within this story, we find a narrative that is so much bigger than our individual parts. In making preparations for this anniversary celebration, you all have brought to life countless stories, many of which have not been told in decades. You've shared memories of parishioners who have gone on to glory. You've reflected on the ways in which our church mothers and fathers infused this place with generosity and grace. 
Many of you have reflected thoughtfully on the value of your time here and your shared hopes for those who will come after you. In reading through years of history from St. Michael's and conducting interviews with current parishioners and former staff and and surveying our current landscape, what we find is not a place of triumphant fanfare or bold proclamation. What we find is not the largest church in the county or the brightest sign on the main road. What we find is the steady drumbeat of a faithful group of followers over many years and in many circumstances. What we find is a group of individuals who both followed and led in ways that were generous and transformative. What we find is a beautiful group of intergenerational folks who were bold enough to dream about what this place looks like 75 years to come. Surely, the Lord is in this very place. Within this story, we find that we are on a journey that began 2,000 years ago and has an ending that has yet to be written. In 1969, the parish was encouraged to turn their focus from things internal to things external, And several parishioners sought a means to respond to a brewing mental health crisis. What started as a few parishioners gathering in the library to man a crisis phone line grew far beyond their wildest dreams. The Arlington Suicide Prevention Hotline grew to become the hotline that serves all of Northern Virginia. Deep in our DNA is the reality that we are marked as worthy of love and belonging and an awareness that this reality will always come into conflict with the struggles of the human condition. Most recently, these same instincts resurfaced as you listened to the stories of our teenagers, became trained Narcan administrators, and wondered together about how to share the power of their narratives far and wide. You see, the epic narrative and our communal narrative are so deeply intertwined. Surely, the Lord is in this place. Within this story, we find a plot that is not dictated by any single outcome, but is marked by the eternal nature of God's love for us. At the beginning of the service, we acknowledge things that happened in this place long before any of us were here the land that was taken away from the native peoples who called this very ground home, and the racially restrictive covenant that has been a part of our foundation and this neighborhood since the very beginning. While these things may feel far removed from this day or your experience of this community, they cannot help but shape the ways in which we are still becoming. These inheritances can become the things that define us, or they can become opportunities for us to experience God's grace. How we tell this story and the ways in which we understand it as a part of a larger whole are what give this story meaning. Surely, the Lord is in this place. In the biblical context, the word remember signifies a process of literally reconnecting membranes that have become disconnected. Remembering is meant to be very, a very visceral, embodied process. 
So in going through this process of putting together, we become reconnected with ourselves, with God, and with one another. What was fractured is once again made whole. St. Michael's, our life's work is this task of remembering so that, what, so that we might have clarity about who God is always inviting us to become. The most beautiful part of this epic narrative is that your story is helping to write the next chapters of God's story. Your story matters, for it is the who and the why and the how of this place and of God's story. My invitation as we mark this anniversary and reconnect ourselves to God's story is to have renewed clarity about God's mission. Here's the thing. The substance of a good story is not the same as a highlight reel, but rather a relationship that grows one conversation at a time. It is a slow daily work of showing up and building trust and attending to the steps God is inviting us to take next, we continue to build upon the faithful legacy that we have inherited from our church mothers and fathers. In taking just the next faithful step, we nurture our endless curiosity about the prophets, saints, and martyrs whose stories are our own. In taking the next faithful step, We continue to approach the cross with humility and hope for all that God has done and continues to do. Surely, the Lord is in this very place. Amen. Amen.